Well, first things first, how are you? Doing well. Doing well as it can be expected. Sure. Under the well, circumstances. One thing I wondered about the two of you is uh, you're both uh, f from New York. Uh, you grew up in the same era, uh, same era, kind of the same. Um, did you know each other coming up in the in the music scene? Well, we didn't in New York, no. Okay. No. But what's funny I, is we walked right by each other, probably you know, <laughs> sure, many many times because we were we were going to the same place, we were going to the same music store, managed music which is a legendary music store on 48th Street in New York. And we're also taking guitar lessons within two blocks of each other. Okay. So we probably walked right by each other many times. You know? <laughs> yeah. We never met, you know, Danny lived upstate New York a little bit and I lived in, uh, in the city. Right. So, uh, you know, but like Danny says, <laughs> between the music stores in Midtown and down in Greenwich Village where he and James were working, we probably did pass each other a million times on the street. Yeah, that's right. Right. Well, when was it then that you first got to meet each other? Because uh, I, I believe you played a lot in New England as well. Was it there that the connection was made? Actually, no, it was in L.A. You want to tell that okay. story, Juan? Sure, yeah. I, uh, I, I got hired by Lou Adler. Danny and Leland and Russell were already family with Lou. Hmm. But I was brought into the family. Uh, and uh, we met at A&M Studios. I think it was a Tim Curry record. That's right. And uh, I, I used to sit around looking at these album covers going, who are these people? Who is this guy, Cooch? Who is this guy? Why is he getting all this work? Why can't I get in these <laughs> sessions? And then I started doing a bunch of session work and uh, someone told Lou Adler about me. And so Lou hired me and Danny and I met. Uh, uh, the second we met, we fell in love with each other. And we were both also we were both completely addicted to the harder they come reggae, which mm. uh had just come out and we were both completely reggae out of our minds about it. Okay. So we instantly had, aside from guitar, had a, a, an avenue of music to communicate on. And the first song they wanted us to do for, for Tim was a reggae tune. So we were okay. in heaven right away. Oh, that's great. Um, well, I got to say one thing. There's, sure. um, they're, they're testing the, the damn alarm system in my condo. It goes off every once in a while. I'm sorry about that. There's a damn thing I can do about it. So. Oh, no worries. No worries. We'll, we'll, we'll handle it. That's no uh, problem. Okay. Um, what I find interesting then is when you both uh, went to LA and then did these kind of se uh, session work, what for you at that time was the mindset? W was it always kind of, I want to play on these records, I want to play with these people? Or did you have kind of these ideas of, I want to be a frontman uh, at some point? Or what was the approach in a way? I'll tell you, my main ambition when I started doing dates in the 70s and late 60s and 70s was to play with my heroes. I wanted to play for, with, with my heroes. You know, I want to play with all the people I respected and loved. That was really my main ambition at that point. Right. If you, Wadi? Well, I moved out to L.A. with a band that never got anywhere. And, uh, and in, in the, uh, the time it took to find out the band wasn't going to go anywhere, I met some studio musicians and I went to sessions and I heard them playing and I started thinking, you know, I, I play as good as these guys. I don't read as well as them, but I think I can, you know, handle myself in that situation. So I started seeing myself in that role. And mm. so I went back and fired the band. I didn't quit the band. <laughs> I fired them all and uh, started pursuing session work. 
and was lucky enough to be able to get in the door. And what's very interesting about it, uh, you mentioned reggae just now, and then I suppose part of being a session mu musician and playing with all these different types of artists, you have to be adaptable. So what have you learned, especially in that time, or did you already, were you already quite broad-minded in terms of what you wanted to do musically? Well, I think we were broad-minded in terms of the music we dug and what we liked. But I got to say that there's lots of session musicians here in L.A. And, and elsewhere that can play in any style in any in any way you want. They come with a huge pedal board and a bunch of different guitars and can change style. You want heavy metal, they'll do heavy metal. You want country, they'll do country. I think with Wadi and I both, we play our way and we make it fit into whatever music we're playing. In other words, we're not somebody that, that is all things to all people. <clears throat> we're basically people with, with a style, built-in style. And right. that style, we can make work for whatever situation we're in. And I suppose that's then what made you so sought after as session mu musicians, right? I guess. I'm yeah, not sure. Yeah. We, we, <laughs> go ahead, Walt. I was going to say, you know, uh, our thing was we would come in, we'd come into these sessions, and like Danny said, we would give it our interpretation, not a not a generic stroke, not read the chart exactly as it was. You know, we would add our own thing to it and eventually that started becoming a very attractive uh, element mm, and right. so more and more we got hired to be me i got hired to be me danny got hired to be him I, it wasn't i need a guitar player who can i get i need cooch for this fucking track i know i gotta have cooch play of this or i need wadi on this tune you know and that was the great thing about coming up the way we did right and in, in that sense then what's the i can assume was there any pressure then to to perform or to 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 reach a certain level with these artists, or were you comfortable in just being yourself? The pressure was when we weren't in the studio. All right. The, the pressure was when we weren't weren't playing with people. I know I got calm when I got in the studio. Mostly got to play because I knew I was going to be able to come up with something great because of the great people we were working with, you know. And so uh, I didn't I didn't really feel pressure. I got to say, you know, I felt at home. I felt at ease playing, playing with great musicians, playing great songs with great musicians. Yeah. Right. Well, if we if we fast forward then uh, to to kind of where we are now, um, am I right in saying, Wadi, that you were approached kind of with because uh, Danny, you obviously had the section and uh, that played uh, kind of instrumental music, and is it uh, am I right in saying that Wadi was asked to join, but uh, he didn't want to join unless there were lyrics and uh, kind of a band formed? Yeah, oh, yeah. That's exactly what happened. Danny called me and said, we want, we want you to come down and play with us, you know, see if it's a, a, a fit. And so I went there and played a couple of tunes and, and it was a I was thrilled to be asked. And, uh, but I had to say, you know, I got to tell you guys, you know, you, you, you played on more hit records than anybody in this town, anybody in this country, really. And, I love it, but you you decide, you want to play this kind of stuff, this you know fusion kind of rock and roll jazz stuff, and that's not me. I said it, so I, I got to say no to this. But I said at, if, if at any time you guys want to do songs with vocals and lyrics and stuff, I'm in. You know, so 45 years later, <laughs> here we are doing exactly that. Thank God. <laughs> what made this time then right finally? It just was. Um, it came about because um, I had a solo deal for a, a, a label in um, 
in, in Japan, vivid recorders. And they wanted me to make a solo album. And I said, well, um, you know, how am I going to do this? You know, who am I going to use? Especially the guys I love are always out of town. There's Russ Lee and Wadi are, are, you know, super in demand in there. They're on the road, especially at that time. They're all gone. But amazingly, Russ and Lee were in town and agreed to, to do it. And then uh, a day after we started, Wadi got back from, I guess, Joe Walsh or Stevie. And, uh, Stevie, uh, yeah. Yeah. Stevie, yeah. And so there we all were. It was like, you know, it was like going home, you know. These are all my best friends. We all love to play together. Play, you know, we, we play together so easily. There's very little discussion. We just hit it. You know, we, everyone knows what to do. And uh, it just fell together very easily and, and, and in a very wonderful, easy way. Yeah, what was that first session like when, when the five of you were in the same room? It was, like it, was, it was like it was, you know, 30 years ago or 40 years ago. It was, it was the same. It was, you know, yeah. we all just went, yeah, here we go, you know. <laughs> but, but, for for me as a nun. Like, oh, sorry. Huh? No, I was going to say it was very much like, Uh, when, you know, after that first session I spoke about well, meeting Danny and everybody, hmm. a couple of days or maybe a week or two later, Lou hired me to come play for Carol King. And, and there's Danny, Russell and Leland and doing what they've been doing for a long time. And there I am. And it was like family. At that point then it was completely like family. And we were, then we went on the road with Carol and I was, you know, these guys accepted me as a brother right away and um, cost me a little money, but, you know, it worked. Um, <laughs> I wanted to say that? something also about when we were talking about the pressure you were talking about at sessions. Sure. You know, at first, there, there's definitely always a pressure to when you go into a studio, you don't know what's happening, especially if you're new in town, you know, you're new, you know, you're green as, as can be. Right. But being, it helps to be yourself and be confident enough to meet these people and deliver the goods for them. And then once you do that, then that pressure becomes more of an acceptance. And, uh, you know, but it does start, there is a definite pressure when you walk into these rooms for the first time, you know, you're, you want to make good. You know. Because you mentioned kind of the chemistry that the five of you have, and I suppose you have to kind of recreate that every time as a session, a session musician, right? You have to get to that point where everything's clicking, everybody's feeding off each other. Well, that doesn't always happen. We're a band, you know, that's what we do. We right. play together, but that doesn't always happen okay. in, in life. <laughs> yeah, well, fair enough. <laughs> but And then it might be very difficult to put into words, but, but how would you describe this chemistry? Is it is it just uh, attributable to, to the time you've spent together? Yeah, I think so. You know, we spent so much time together. We got to know each other so well, musically and personally, that uh, this is what happens. There's a, te a telepathy that happens when you, got, when you play together. When you kind of know what's, what's going to happen, what everybody's going to do. Mm -hmm. And at that point, it becomes a real joy because now you can take it to another level. You know? it, it also has to do with the way the other people do play, hmm. you know, because there are, there are some drummers in this town that are very good, really good guys, great guys and really good musicians, but I can't play with them. Hmm. I just don't feel their groove. Russ Conkle, you can't not feel his groove. Danny and I are one, one guitar player, you know, We know what to do. We know where the other guy's always going to be. 
we know where the other guy's not going to be. We fell into that right away. But, but without, if the drummer isn't the right guy, none of it matters because you can't get into it. But mm-hmm. Russ Kunkel and Lee Sklar, I mean, we, and again, it's from knowing each other, but it's also the way they play. The sure. way we all, and the way we all wind up playing together. We all fall into the same pocket. And let me let me try it like this because uh, I'm sure over the years you you continue learning and you continue developing as an artist. Um, so I'll start with you, Danny. Is there one thing uh, you've learned maybe in in the last couple of years from Wadi about either music or life? One thing I've learned from Wadi. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> where do I start? <laughs> um, I learned a lot from Wadi. I had stopped listening to rock and roll uh, at, at one point in the 70s. I was listening to jazz and I was listening to I was just, and, and Wadi reminded me. He played some stuff for me. We started listening to music together. Oh, God, <laughs> we started listening to music together. And I went, yeah, what, why did I? This is great. As a matter of fact, I like this so much better than what, what I'm doing with the section. You know, <laughs> I invited Wadi to come down and play with the section because I wanted to get more in that area, more rock and roll, you know? And uh, so that, that is what Wadi brought. He, he awoke in me that passion I had for the music that I started and that I loved in the first place. Right. And vice versa? Well, Danny, Danny is like the, the finest rhythm player you'll ever hear, meet, see, whatever. And he's so deeply rooted in R&B stuff. And I am so white that uh, <laughs> I learned a lot from my brother, Danny, about that digging in. I'm a good rhythm player too, but I'm more of a rock and roll straight ahead player, even though I, I mm-hmm. learned, I grew up playing jazz and stuff like that. And, but Danny's slant on where that rhythm lies and how locked into the groove he is, is so educated. Every time we play, I still learn from him. Okay. And once the immediate family was formed, kind of the the idea, was it immediate? Were the thoughts immediately of an album, and then let's let's take this on the road? Absolutely, yeah. Once uh, we started working, the, the album that I made was just, uh, originally going to be a solo album. Mm. After we finished, I said, well, "Man, we got to be a group." And I I was offered to go to Japan. I said, "Well, I'll, everyone's we all have to go." And everyone was ready. Everyone was down for it. Again, amazingly, they were all available. And at that point, we realized, hey, we got to make this a band. And I desperately wanted it to be a band. Because I'm playing, these are my best friends, people I want to play with the most in the world. And uh, so it was a no-brainer as far as I was concerned. There's one thing, well... I've, I've spoken to a lot of musicians uh, over the years, uh, have, uh, some of them half your age who struggle with touring and they don't kind of have that same passion. So, so what is that passion that keeps you kind of want, uh, searching for the road, searching for, for or wanting to go on the road? Well, just from, from my point of view, there's nothing in the whole world like a rock and roll band in full cry. Just the sound of it is so incredible. And the only way you get that is to get on stage, crank it up and start blasting it. And, and rock in the house. And there's just nothing like that in the whole world. I'm addicted to it. I think we all are. It's an incredible experience to play, to play rock and roll on a stage for, uh, for uh, an audience that's digging what you're doing. There's nothing like it. And, nothing, and there never will be anything like it. No, there's nothing like it because it's the real part of what we do. Records, right. and we are all record addicts completely. I mean, when I, especially when I moved here, it was like, I got to make records. I want to make records. I want to make records. But you realize that records are just an approximation. 
of what it is to do what Danny just said, to get on stage and perform. You have an entire a club or a, you know, a, an auditorium or an arena, and you've got all these people there digging what you do, and you're giving it to them. There's nothing that can come close to that anywhere in life. That's the real article of entertainment, of record, of record not record business, of showbiz. It's showbiz, man. That's the sure. real deal. Sure. You get out there on the stage and you do what you do. Yeah. Is, is the record, there one moment? Records are like an advertisement to bring people to your show. Right. Is, is there one moment you can pick out maybe that, that, uh, that was the highlight of this or that exemplifies this for you, for either of you? All of it. Yeah. Or every, every single time? Yeah, you know, all of it. I mean, there's no, you know, the difference between us when we're great and when we're not so good is like that, you know. It's okay. Really okay. Yeah. So it's all great to me, you know. And, and you know, one we, thing, oh, sorry, Wadi. We've we played gigantic shows together. We've played, when they first opened Central Park up, the first time mm -hmm. they did it, James Taylor, we played to a quarter of a million people standing there. But then we go to a club and as the immediate family and we knock out a club, it's the same exhilaration. It's the same feeling, you know? So it, it, that's it, that's the whole ticket. Did you kind of have an idea for, for what you wanted sure. the immediate family album to be? Well, you know, the first album, like I said, was to start off as going to be a solo album. And right. as it developed, right. it, was, it became more and more of a band sound. And, uh, you know, which is great that it did. I was thrilled that that happened. Uh, you know, recording 17 tunes in three days is not, not that big of a deal for us. We did have a lot of pre-production uh, and set up the uh, situation so it'd be easy to learn the tunes and to play them all together. But once we get in there, we're gone, and that's it. Yeah. You know? But yeah, you, you have to know what you're going to do. Right. <laughs> If you're going to get 17 songs done <laughs> in three days, you have to have a good idea of what you're about to do. Yeah. Right. But and I'm, I'm stating it wrong. We did Danny, Danny's solo album. Then we did a live album for Japan mm. of the immediate family. But our first studio album is what you're talking about, Robin. Right. We kind of the, uh, what's, what's the upcoming. Yet unreleased album. Right. We went in in three days, cut 17 tracks. Yeah. And I mean, the, the first EP has, I don't know if, if those uh, five songs will be on that, but um, what do you look for in the songs that you will be bringing out? Because some, are, some of them are covers, uh, or are not even covers, it's songs that you've contributed to uh, in the past. So, so what are you looking for in the songs that the media family is going to play? Well, you know, all the, all the songs that we uh, used to, you, you say are covers aren't really covers. We wrote them, we produced them. Right. We played them, so you know we don't uh, we don't do tunes that we weren't seriously but that we're not that we weren't writers on actually. Sure. So uh, there's that aspect of it. Um, again, you know, it, it's uh, what, what do we look for? And you know, we gotta love it. You know, and uh, well, it's gotta hit us right away. You know, and we know, and it's gotta sound right for our band. Well, well for we all agree. We all agree. You know, we rarely do any of us disagree about a song whether okay. we should do it or not. But for, for instance, on the EP, uh, the song uh, "A New York Minute" appears. So, so why what why in particular that song? What what was uh, special about that song to to do that one? It's a really good song. Yeah, <laughs> Fair <really>. enough. <laughs> but it, is it is it that arbitrary in a way that you that you just pick what you feel in the moment? Yeah, I guess so. You know, I wrote the music to it. I wrote that with Henley, and uh, yeah, he wrote that. 
And yeah. it's a good, and it's a really good song for Steve's voice to sing. That's right. Uh, right. Mm-hmm. right. We do it very differently than Henry's version of it because we're a rock and roll band. So it's, sure. it's guitars. And I, I love the way we do it. I'm, I'm thrilled with the way, the way it came out. When can people expect the album then? Because now we are in a very strange time with everything being canceled and, and the whole world kind of slowing down in a way. Is there any, is it finished? Is it, do you already have an album finished? Yeah. The yeah. album has been finished. The original concept was the album and Denny Tedesco, who did the Wrecking Crew, sure. is doing a documentary on us. And the original okay. plan was the record and the doc were to come out in the November that just passed us by. Mm. So the record has been ready. The documentary was well on the way to being finished and then everything had to stop. So the record, yeah, the record's just sitting there waiting to come out. Uh, as of release date, I don't know, Danny, what do you think? Summertime maybe? Was, was that what we said? We're open, we're open by, by spring, you know, late spring perhaps it would come out. Hmm. Uh, you know, but who can say? It's, it's dependent sure. largely on. on uh, We're putting another EP out. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, you mentioned the documentary that the, that they are doing on you. Um, what was it like looking back in that way? Because you are very much, I would say, involved in in the now. Right. What was it like looking back? Well, you know, we're very, very proud of what we've done and the people we played with. We're terribly proud to have uh, contributed. Uh, with all the great artists we played with, you know, and we're thrilled about that. Mm. But uh, life is lived in the present, and we're lucky enough to have a present, you know, and uh, we're lucky enough to have a way to go forward now. And at this point, you know, uh, we're lucky also to be able to work on our own material. It's It was great working with the people we have, uh, and it was wonderful, and we're thrilled to have done it, and it's also great to have our own thing. Yeah, is it, does it make it, because I, I was going to, one thing that I uh, saw in the Wrecking Crew uh, documentary is, is kind of that, that, that everybody knows the song, everybody knows the tune that you wrote, but nobody knows your name or not only the musicians, uh, that uh, the kind of the musicians world knows your name. Uh, is that something that annoyed you or did you like kind of that anonymity or privacy in a way? You want to get well, that one? Yeah, well, uh, it's due to Peter Asher was the one who was the first man who decided the musicians needed to be credited on records. Mm. Um, James Taylor's record. It was da- James's album, wasn't it, Danny? I think, right? Yeah, Sweet Baby yeah. James. Yeah. And Tapestry, too. Okay. Right, and Tapestry. But Peter was the one who decided that, you know, it's enough. People need to know who's playing on these songs. Right. So thanks to Peter Asher, everyone now knows a lot of musicians' names. But it's right. all due to him. Right. And it's better than the the anonymity. You know, I think it's better. Yeah. Yeah. Got to remember with us, as opposed to the Wrecking Crew, the Wrecking Crew are mostly jazz musicians who are doing dates, record dates, in order to pay the bills. Those guys didn't go on the road and they did not consider themselves a rock and roll band. And we do go on the road and we definitely are a rock and roll band. So it's a very different situation. Final question then. Um, when do you hope to be it's kind of the same question with when the album will be released but do you have any kind of uh either live stream date set up or are you uh looking at touring in some some form or capacity in a safe way 
Well, right now we're concentrating on uh, on the recorded part of our situation okay. uh, and making videos. And as soon as we can get on the road, we're gone. You know, we love to play things. And uh, way too hard to really book anything and speculate. Right. It's all up to whether we all die or not. You know, it's quite honestly, it's, <laughs> it's frightening out there. So uh, the idea of being able to assemble a crowd is a gigantic undertaking now. I mean, so it's going to be a while, but we're, as they say, chomping at the bit to get back out on stage and do what we do. All right. Well, let's hope that you that you get to very soon then. Wadi, Danny, thank you so much for taking the time to sit and talk with me. Our pleasure. All right. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Right, you too, my man. Take care. Thank now. you. Very much.